This week's episode is what I'm calling Talking to Myself, and we go over the week before the contest, the week of a contest, the things that I do that I feel are important, and then a little test cooking notes that we've come across that we like that we put into place. Welcome to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, World Headquarters, Wellston, Oklahoma. The Butcher Turn Pitmaster, your host, David Bosca. Welcome, everybody, to another Butcher Barbecue Podcast. This week is going to be a little different, but I'm going to go over a lot of Let's just call it questions I get. What do you do before comp? How do you get ready for it? What do you prepare for? All those type things. And then I'm going to dissect, let's say, our drive home. What do we go back over? How do you read the score sheet that's given to you? And just understand your comp. So let's get started with what do I do? Well, Let's just say it's the week before the comp. My SOP that I do is on Fridays, I set my big meats out of the deep freeze. I've already purchased them. They're setting in the freezer. I've selected, kind of just prematurely selected meats that I want for what contest. Like if it's a big one for the Royal or the Jack, I have got, as I'm buying through the summer, I'm setting stuff to the side just for those. But if it's a weekend comp where we're just traveling anywhere within a state or two, I'll just take what I got. And the two pork butts, and I put them in my refrigerator. I just let them set. That's my SOP there. Saturday, I usually run to Oklahoma City. I'm 30 minutes from a good grocery store. So I run to the city, and that's where I buy my chicken. I like fresh chicken. I don't like prepping it, trimming it, freezing it. Just something about it that doesn't do me any good. So what I do is I'll put an ice chest in my truck, head to the city. I'll buy a bag of ice. I'll pick out the chicken thighs I want. um, And then basic grocery shopping, anything like that that I need, uh, brown sugar or water, Gatorade, stuff like that. So I buy all that at one time. Okay. I get back home, put it in the fridge. And one of the things that I do just because I do live so far away, those frozen gel packs that you get in your mail order meat, I keep those frozen in the deep freeze. So I'll take one of those and set on top of the chicken, each package of chicken to keep it as cold as possible to start preserving the shelf life till the next weekend. Also on Saturday, I pull my spare ribs out of the freezer. I don't like for them to set as long as I do the big meats. They only take overnight to thaw out. So there, my plan is, is to trim on Sunday. And that gives me plenty of time to where if I'm not happy with a piece of the meat, I've got time to get something else thawed out. Now it's Sunday. We're back here in the old meat shop. Um, Got my meat trimmed. What I'm looking for in the meat and everything is obviously good marbling, uh, consistent thickness across it. I want good texture, feel of the hands. And then I go to the chicken. I kind of buy my chicken to the size I'm already wanting. Then we trim our chicken. We've got our ribs. I I start out with brisket first. Then I do pork. Then I do ribs. Then I do chicken. I put all that back in the fridge and I put a fresh uh, set of those frozen gel packs on top of the chicken and directly underneath it now. Then I start in, 
if if I know I'm going to be busy on Monday, I will turn around and go ahead and get my injections ready. Anything that I need for the contest, I'll get it done Sunday. Um, if not, I'll wait and just do it Monday. That's pretty SOP for me also. Then Tuesday, I take off and head to the grocery store midday that afternoon, and that's when I buy my lettuce, and I do border parsley around the outside with it. So I just buy a few heads of the – sorry, bunches – of the parsley, but I normally buy about six to seven heads of the lettuce according to the size of the head. And then I take it home, put it in the fridge and I prep it. I cut the bottom off, put it in a warm ice water, sorry, warm water, and just let it crisp up until Thursday when I go to make boxes before I head to a contest. But in the meantime, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I'm cleaning my trailer um, getting the new set of grates washed up or the set of grates washed up, uh, refill the spice bottles, sweeping, washing countertops, you know, the daily maintenance inside the trailer. And then once a quarter, I maintenance the trailer. I go through and I grease wheel bearings. Um, check that over real well. Check the tires over every single trip. Make sure I have plenty of air in them. Um, pretty basic stuff, but it's things that you have to physically stop and take care of. Now, if the trailer's finished, it's done. Let's say I don't need to bring any rubs home from the warehouse, so everything is packed. It's ready to go. We're ready to clean the carpets, and that's the last thing I do before I button the hatches, batten it down, all that good stuff until Friday morning. All right, all that said and done, that's pretty well my deja vu of contest week. I do... If we get back on a contest and I got one the very next week is Saturday when I get home, I empty the ice chest, put the leftovers in the fridge, and I normally will set the meat out on Friday before we leave for that contest so that it can be thawed out for a Sunday morning trim and we start all back over and I call it Groundhog Week. So we do that. Now for the road trip home, what do you do? You know, once you get home, you're sitting there. And like me, generally, it's me and my brother. We go to a contest. You get the team detail sheet. You look at it. You cuss it. You throw it in the back seat. You grab it. You look at it. You throw it in the back seat. You cuss it. You look at it. You throw it in the back seat. And you just look at it. So I think there's ways of studying this to help determine or what you need to be changing for your cook. Let's just start with the, the, the first category, chicken. You got judge one all the way through six. And I'm holding a detail sheet right here of what we did earlier this year. We had some good scoring and we had some average scoring. Um, so I'm going to go over my own. I'm going to dissect it. And we're going to talk about how I would read this judge's comments. Chicken. I'm just going to tell you right now, that was a dang good chicken. We all have dang good chicken until we turn it in and we get the results back. But the judges agreed with me on this. We had a good contest down there. We did win first place in chicken. Um, we had a 36. 36 is top scores. 36, a 36, a 33, a 35, a 34, and a 36. So they dropped the lowest of the six and they only use the top five scores. So we dropped to 34, 
but I'm looking at it and everything was nines. I had an eight on one and an eight on the one that was dropped. The eight for the one that was dropped was calculated. Let's see in taste. Then the other eight was in tenderness. Don't think that let's say you get a seven, a six, you look back at the scale that they're judging on. A seven means that it is an average, whatever, taste, tenderness, uh, appearance. Seven is average. We as cooks feel like we deserve eights and nines and there's nothing else on the scale. And you get pissed when you get sixes and sevens. Seven's still average, folks. That doesn't mean that it's a bad one. It just may not be what we're wanting slash expecting. But let's look at that. If I had a tenderness score there and it's an eight, that's still good. It's above average. If it was a six, I would look at it. And with it being in the chicken category, what you have to be re- is what you have to be is real to yourself. Okay. Every piece of chicken you turn in, there is a 99% chance that was a different chicken than the one right beside it versus your brisket. You're slicing from one brisket. You know, from the first cut to the bat last cut, how that was, what was right beside it, and where it came from. This chicken, it's not exactly like you can take a bite of one side of it and go, that's juicy and that's tender, put it in a box. You can only taste one of them that you're not turning in. So give a little leniency there because there is a good chance that when you got a bad score, that that chicken could have been a little mealy, a little dry, a little little something because you don't know, you did not eat it. So keep that in mind, appearance and taste, but don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about that one judge that you question and go, who puked in this box when they handed it to judge three. Um, and he's giving you threes and fours and you had seven, eights and nines from everybody else. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about that. All right. Anyway, chicken, chicken was good. There's not a lot to talk about. Let's talk about ribs. I had a 17th place rib. Judge one was all nines. Judge two was a nine, seven, eight. Judge three was a nine, eight, eight. Then nine, 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 eight, eight, nine, eight, seven. So I had two of the judges scored me a 31 and one was a 30. I'm going to look at that. The judge two that gave me a 30, which happened to be the one that we dropped. It was the taste he didn't care for. And he said it was a seven. That's still average. That means it was good. It just didn't, wasn't a highlight for him, let's say. So would I go back and do a wholesale change? I don't know. And let's look at the the other seven I got, which was on judge six. That was in tenderness. And his eight that he gave me was in taste. Let me look, see. One, two. I had three eights that was just barely above average and one seven. So that's telling me that my flavors were light, but not loved. So there again, I'm, I'm a realist when it comes to that. I have to look at it and say, did, was it short, a little salt? Was it short, a little sweet? Was it savory? Hard to say. Um, I am an adamant about tasting my food the next morning after I get home. Then I can get a realistic view of the smokes washed out of my mouth. I'm not sitting there over the fire for half the day. I can see what that judge is really getting whenever it comes to a fresh piece of meat. 
make your judgment there. Uh, tenderness, obviously, that's going to be a little different, but you'll know if it's still tough or not if it's stick to the bones. Let's go to the pork. I was 34th place in pork. Um, I see one, two, three, eight, nine, eight, eight, nine, seven, eight. 877-777-999. I do pull from two different pork butts. That's what we use. I see a lot of sevens and they're saying it was average. It's not bad. It was just average. Let's see what my actual score was on the pork. Let's see. I had a 159. To me, that sounds low. I, I like to definitely be in the 170s. I had a comment card on pork and it was the 978. And the taste score, remember, I won't know what it was. He gave me a seven. He says average. He said it was too sweet, or she said it was too sweet. There's nothing wrong with that. That's personal preference, and that's exactly what I would expect. They judged it on its own merit. They didn't compare it to someone else. It says taste too sweet, or sauce was uh, overwhelmed the meat. All great points. So keep that in mind. If you hit and you get two of these comment cards, that's veering off into the same direction. That's something you need to consider and look at, and then may, might make a small change and you might spice it up or tone the sweetness down. The pork, I, I would say presentation was a little off too. I don't see, but well, I got three nines for appearance and I'd like to have seen all of them. To me, that is 100% I appeal. And so Maybe my box wasn't as clean as I would have expected. I'm not one to take pictures, so I don't have something to fall back on to look at. Um, tasting, tasting across, like I said, was eights. Tenderness was showing the same thing. It's it's mostly eights and nines. I do see uh, one seven on tenderness. So you just have to be real with yourself as you're driving home after you pick up this and go to reading it. But look at it. And then I go, well, let's let's go through brisket first, and then I'll tell you what I do. Brisket, we play sixth place. Uh, I see a lot of nines and eights. That's all I'm seeing. One, two, I see three eights, and the rest are nines. There's nothing wrong with that. I'll take take that brisket all day long. Let's see. We had a 174. That's a good score. I don't mind that at all. I would love, who wouldn't love to see higher, but there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Now, what I do with this score after I get it is after you cook a while, you'll kind of know who's good at what meat and who's not. Take your table. Over on that far side, you see the table number. Let's say 981 with chicken. I'm going to go to my chicken category. Okay. You'll maybe hear the papers rattling. I'm going to go in there and you'll go, go down 981. I look to see who else was 981 and who I went up against. If I, let's say I was in 10th place, I want to see if the top two or three might've been on my table and I'll see who it is. And if they are great chicken cooks, I'll feel, Hey, I need to improve my game. I need to practice. I need to do something because I know they're better than me, but I'll look at it and I'll go down through the whole thing. And I'll decide by who all was with me, how I ranked against them. If I see a lot of local teams that don't do a lot of KCBS cooking, and let's say I'm right there beside them and we're sitting in 30th place, and I felt like it was good chicken or good ribs, then I will kind of question. And then you have to decide or wonder if you hit that table, 
if you was a second, third, fourth, fifth one tasted, whoever might have been right ahead of you, they might have been pure heat spice and the judges couldn't taste nothing afterwards. Or they might have been pure smoke and it was bitter. There again, maybe they couldn't taste the layers or flavors you had on your meat. So look at those table numbers and see how you compare to who you hit. I, I, I don't like to just jump into it and say, well, that was a bad table. But what you do is take like that table 981, that's what you hit on chicken. Flip through all the other categories. Where did that table place anybody else throughout the rest of the meat? On ribs, did looks like on my table, there was two of them in the top five. I'm sorry, top 10. So I'll go in and I'll check all 981 in ribs, pork, and brisket. And if they had someone in pork in the same scenario, I'd say that was an average table. They, they, were, they weren't afraid to give numbers. But if I was sitting down in the bottom 20% of the contest and I go through and look at the paper and throughout the whole contest, all 24 pieces of meat that they tasted or more if, they, if it was a, a large contest and no one from that table, no one from that table placed anybody above 40th place. That tells me that that whole table was a low judging table or vice versa. Let's say that one table has the top four in every category. That tells me that they judged really high and they either got all of the great boxes or none of them because contrary to popular opinion, these judges still have to taste a lot of bad barbecue to get to the good barbecue. Okay, that being said, that's one way to read your table. Study it, look into it, but you don't really know what goes on. A couple years back, KCBS did try to implement an average table setup, and I personally, I, I liked it. I liked them averaging out the tables. It gave just that. If you were an average cook, you went in right beside someone, but the table average was there. For some reason, that was the only year they did it and they did away with it. I never understood or knew why they actually did away with it completely. But judging it, looking at that piece of paper, look at it hard, study it. Don't just assume that Judge 3 was a bad judge. Go back and look at the full detail of the sheet. That'll kind of start telling you where that was. If you had one judge that didn't like yours, Go to the other meat that he did not judge of yours and see where Judge 3 placed in all the other categories. If he was above average of the rest of the table, it sounds like maybe he just didn't like yours. But if he was on the lower end of that table on all the meats, then yes, there's a good chance that that judge did not care for that style of barbecue throughout the day. All right. I don't know how much more I can go over that without someone sitting here just asking me questions, but that's kind of a quick rundown. I'm sure I've forgotten something, but let's get on back to a little bit of what all I do. When we get to the final prep of the meat, I'm sorry, let's get back to what we're doing. Friday, the injections come out and I put my powder in them. And then they set and get to room temperature as I'm driving to a contest. That's my SOP. 
I, I don't like injecting cold injection into the meat. I do like it room temp. Then I sit and we take care of the contest. Come home, we do what we just talked about. Now, let's go over a little bit for off-season cooking. Do you test cook much? Have you test cooked much? Do you want to test cook? You know, if you've cooked for 20, 25 contests, maybe the last thing you want to do is spend the next month test cooking. You may be tired of it. You may be burned out. Let's be real. Meat's awful expensive, especially this brisket that everybody's cooking. It may be too expensive to just run a test cook and hope it turns out good. But let me tell you, you can't practice for the Super Bowl if you don't ever have a full-blown scrimmage. So I always study my test cooks. There are some winners I test cook a whole lot. Let's just say pork. Let's say out throughout the whole year, I wasn't happy with my pork scores and it showed all year long. That's the one thing I'm going to concentrate on. How do I test cook? I start out with the same piece of meat, or let's say I want to try a new brand. I make sure that's what I do. The first thing I do is if I, if I'm changing brands, I follow the same exact process as what I did the year before to see if there's a major change on the finished product. Okay. The next piece of meat that we do, if I did like that piece of meat, I'm going to start tweaking it. I'm going to start with either the injection, the rub, um, the time frame, the method of cooking, as far as how I'm running my cooker, um, when I want it to come off, how long I want to hold it, boy, how long you want to hold it is something that's overlooked a lot, how you hold it, how long you hold it. That will sometimes take a great piece of meat and really turn it neutral in flavors while it's sitting there in a Cambro or an ice chest, but that's for a whole nother podcast. So test cooking is a lot more than just grabbing a piece of meat and cooking it. One other thing to consider is when you're test cooking, and let's say you're completely finished with your cooks over the winter or off season, and you're happy with your finished product, hand write out your timeline for that, and then overlay it onto your timeline of last year's cooking process. Check to make sure it doesn't interfere at any point with something else. I absolutely hate whenever I've got three or four things that need to be done within a minute or two, five minutes, or start checking, or I need to get wrap ready for the ribs, or anything like that. Make sure it fits into the timeline you've got going. That's really important also. Smash that subscribe button and be ready for Butcher's next podcast.